people in their sane minds swear they see you today. Are you looking for the love they took away? Everyone knows that you couldn't buy the pain, so you took your life in the pouring rain. You took your life in the pouring rain. Haunting greetings to you and yours. Those amazing tunes which just entered your ears is courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey. And I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Thank you so much for listening to Paranormal Prowler's podcast. The year is 1906. The woman, she sits there waiting for her lover. He's the man of her dreams. The man she wants nothing more than to marry and spend the rest of her life with. At first, she waits with excitement in her heart, butterflies in her stomach, bounce in her step. You know, we've all been there. She can't wait to be in her beloved's arms. She pictures that tender moment, and she smiles. A woman can only wait for so long. Soon, that excitement turns into anxiousness, which then turns into frustration, anger, and resentment. She gets word from her fiancé that he's not coming back home. In fact, not only is he not returning to her, but he has fallen in love with someone else. Heartbroken, she does the unthinkable, the most permanent decision one can do in life. She takes her own life. Present day. Nestled in the beautiful San Luis Valley in a small mountain town called Del Norte, stands one of Colorado's oldest hotels, the Windsor. She stands tall and proud, and she has been doing so since 1874. Many came through these doors, cowboys, ranchers, miners, settlers, and what have you. It was established in 1874, which is three years after the town of Del Norte was founded. It has a lot of history behind it. In the late 1800s, the small town of Del Norte was a booming mining and ranching area. To this day, ranching is still a very huge thing there, as several of them are family friends of my mom's and mine. Anyways, you know, the Windsor was the place to go to. Social gatherings and lavish parties took place here. And it remained a regional gathering spot for well over a hundred years. And, you know, by the 1870s, the Windsor had fallen into a major disrepair. And it remained that way until 1993, when it was decided, let's tear this eyesore down. What happened next was actually quite amazing. The clock was ticking. Within a few minutes, the Windsor would have its last dance. With a wrecking ball, everything was ready when suddenly, with about a minute or two to spare, a local benefactor and his wife saved the Windsor from destruction. The locals came together and saved this gorgeous building. Tear down a piece of not only this town, but this state's history? I think not. No! Many people have reported strange happenings at this historical hotel. Many people have seen things, heard things they could not explain, and so much more. One major source of the hauntings comes from a young woman 
named Maude Hines, the woman I had talked about just minutes ago. She met her end here at the hotel back in 1906, but you know what? As usual, Tessa's jumping ahead of herself. Maude, she was a lover of music, especially when it came to the violin. And the piano. With her music, she was the happiest, and life honestly couldn't be any better than this absolute moment. She happened to be engaged to a wonderful man, V.W. Parker. Oh, he was such a hard and dedicated worker, a freight brakeman who was from New Mexico. He was handsome, and he loved her. It was almost too good to be true. Before Maude and V.W. got engaged, V-Dubs was engaged to Gertrude Walker, a woman who lived two towns from Del Norte and the Windsor. Well, you know, one day while in town, what were the chances but V.W. and Gertrude ran right into each other? Oh, hey there. Oh, V.W., I missed you so much. And upon this surprise visit, they both realized that you know what? They both still very much loved each other. They should never have broken things off. They reunite their love, and once again, they become engaged. You know, I don't know. It seems like this VW character, he can't really be trusted. First, he's engaged to, to Gertrude, and then he falls in love with our gal Maude, and then he breaks off the engagement with Gertrude, gets engaged to Maude, and then all of a sudden he's going back to Gertrude. Uh, no good. So, when Maude, she hears this news, she is absolutely distraught. Her heart is broken. She is in absolute, utter shock at this very moment. How can VW do this to her? She felt so betrayed. She just lost the man she thought she would spend the rest of her days with to another woman. And of all women, his ex- the nerve! How insulting! Now, according to archives, Maude Hines boarded a train at the station in Alamosa, 30 miles from Del Norte, and which also happens to be the same town Miss Gertrude, the other woman, was from. Maude arrives to Del Norte and checks herself in to the one and only, that's right, you guessed it, the Windsor. She uses an alias, Violet Thierry, from Columbus, Ohio. Violet... Maud checks into her room, sat down at the desk, and she wrote out a letter to her father, Charles Hines, from Creed, which is an awesome place on a side note, a place I've been to many times. It's a mining town in the mountains and where the amazing Bachelor's Loop is at. She writes a second letter to that SOB, VW, Parker, her would-be husband, the man who broke her heart. The contents of these letters... They remain unknown. She mails the two letters and then continues on across the street to Weiss Mercantile. She bought a thirty-eight caliber revolver along with a box of ammo. When the store clerk proceeds to show Maude how to take the revolver apart to clean it, she interrupts him saying, I know as much as about guns as you do. She takes her purchase, leaves the mercantile, and walks back to the Windsor. She goes upstairs to her room, and she uses that thirty-eight to take her life. 
Maud Hines will no longer endure any heartbreaks from this moment on, from VW or any other person. Upon hearing the news of his daughter's untimely and sudden death, Charles Hines is understandably quite upset and finding himself, much like his late daughter, heartbroken. Charles, he wants answers, absolutely. His baby girl's dead. I mean, is this a nightmare? Every parent's worst nightmare. How can this be? He finds VW, who is also shocked to hear about his now ex-fiance's death. They have a discussion, spoken words, they're unknown, but I personally would have decked him. After talking to the man who broke his daughter's heart, he leaves town with his daughter's body and they go back to Creed. Okay, so she's dead and she's buried and 114 years have gone by. Many would think that's the end of Maude Hines and her alias, Violet Thierry. Nope. Nope. Maude's spirit remains at the Windsor Hotel, among many other resident spirits. The hotel itself is a really neat place. The lobby and the restaurant and the courtyard are downstairs, while the rooms, those are all upstairs. Walk in through the restaurant, and there is a door off to the right that leads to the courtyard. Walking out there, it's like walking back into time. There's an old stone building back there, and back when it first opened as a hotel... That building in the now courtyard served a very important purpose. The town's ice house. Many bodies have come in and out of this ice house. So the people would go to the cemetery, and this was before the brutal winter would greet them. And man, those Colorado winters like to sure linger. In fact, it's very early September and we just got a huge snow dusting all over Colorado. So they would dig several graves so they were ready to bury their own when at that time the ground would be frozen solid. You know, sometimes there were enough plots dug, but many times more people would die than holes were prepped. This was the 1800s. Mortuaries then didn't have what they have today. One very important thing, my friends refrigeration so they'd go to the mighty rio grande river or as locals say rio grande that ran through town and they would retrieve these huge chunks of ice and bring them back to the ice house and the bodies would remain on those huge chunks of ice till their graves could be dug and they could be properly buried my dear friend he owned this hotel for several years and it's still in his family today I consider myself lucky as I got to investigate the ice house and the hotel many a times. Besides investigating there and visiting the restaurant for a killer burger and truffle fries, I spent time there in a different way. One summer, and I know I probably mentioned this before, but one summer a couple years ago, my sister Casey was working there and I was sort of strapped for cash and she suggested, hey, why don't you get a job here? Work with me. So I talked with my friend, the owner, and he knew how hard and what a dedicated worker that I was. So he said yes. I ended up living at the hotel for over three months where I worked in housekeeping alongside my sister and one of my very dear friends, Angie, who's been on the podcast in the past. I knew of Maude Hines and the history prior to living there. In fact, my sister and I stayed the night there 
the year before and investigated Maud's room in the ice house. I've had things happen to me at the Windsor. So my sister and I, we were both living and we shared a room. Well, she ended up moving out and there was a month where I was there by myself. There were times when I would wake up in the middle of the night to the sounds of whispers floating about the room. Spending every day there and working there, you kind of become familiar with the sounds the hotel lets out. Like, for instance, I'd be cleaning one room and another gal would be in the neighboring room. And if she would try to say something to me or if she was on the phone or something, being in the other room, I would be able to hear her, but it would be more like a mumble. These whispers weren't rambling or mumbling and they were not distant, but they were close in proximity, like same room close, not in the hall. So being the debunker that I am, right, I, I want to debunk it. I, I would jump out of bed. I would turn the lights on. I would scan the room, search the bathroom, look under the bed. I would double check everything. Nothing. I'd look outside in the hall. No one would be out there ever. But I knew the whispers and sounds weren't coming from the hall. It was coming from within the room. There were many times during my stay there that I felt the presence of my friend Michael, who passed away a couple years earlier at this time. One time in particular, I was upstairs off the clock and just wanting a break from the hotel room life. I decided to hang out upstairs, right? As you get at the top of the stairs where the rooms are, there's the elevator and a coffee table, kind of like the little coffee station and, you know, where we put the croissants and where people just kind of hang out. I was just sitting there skimming through one of my True West magazines as I'm an avid fan of the old Wild West. And as I'm sitting here reading up on Curly Bill, I feel Michael's presence and really strong. No one's around, so I kind of quietly say, hello, my friend. Then suddenly the elevator door opens, and even though it's my day off, I kind of go into greeter mode (laughs) and look up to say howdy to the guests. Out walk two men, what looks to be a father and a son. When I see the son, I had to do a double take, as he was an absolute dead ringer for my friend Michael, whose presence I had just felt like seconds before seeing this dude. The Michael lookalike goes to his room to get some things out so they could check out of the hotel. And I go downstairs and hang out with my big boss, the the head honch, my friend, the guy. He comes down and I secretly take his picture. No, 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 folks. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a stalker. I just had to show mutual friends of mine and Michael's so I can get their opinions. And yes, they agreed. This guy looks like him, like a lot. Yep, looking back at my time spent at that place, I had some phenomenal moments. Let's talk results. So one cold December night, before we worked there or lived there, Casey and I, we stayed the night there. She was going to Italy and she was going to be there for quite a while, being an au pair to a couple of awesome sweet little kiddos. And as a present, like a going away thing, I was like, I'm going to surprise her. We're going to stay in this haunted room in Maud's room and we'll go from there. And it was, it was a great surprise and we had a great night. 
So we wanted to go check out the old ice house slash mortuary. We turned the digital recorder on the bed on and with my camera recording video, we aimed it at the bed and the shadow detector was in the corner. So we leave, not really, you know, expecting much, but in the 20 minutes of recording where there's nothing to record but silence, a few things actually did happen. Not huge, like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. But, you know, things occurred. Casey and I, we head out the door, and as we leave, I say to the spirits that the recorder and camera are are on, so, you know, feel free to say something, do something, basically allow your presence to be known. Please and thank you, and see you soon. As I finish speaking, a hushed whisper is recorded saying, yes, yes. It's taking a bit longer for us to leave as I go back in to readjust the shadow detector slash motion sensor. I guess someone was getting impatient with waiting and my recorder captured this awesome EVP of a man saying, get out. He repeats this a few seconds later. Get out. If we heard anyone in the hall or nearby rooms, we would have debunked it as we were recording at that time. This man went unheard by us. So while we were gone, unexplained static appears out of nowhere on the recorder. An EVP of what sounds like a child is caught saying, hi, which is then followed by unexplained sounds. I can only describe it as someone chewing on gum and blowing bubbles. A man is recorded exhaling close to the recorder. A woman is moaning. While my camera didn't capture anything, my recorder sure did. Not bad for just leaving it there in the room. And before you guys say anything, we checked with the front and there were no, it was like a kind of in December. So it was kind of a slower type of season and nobody was in the area that we were at. So, you know, wasn't anything like that. And you could tell it was coming again from within the room, not outside where it'd be more muffled and light. So Casey and I, we make our way to the ice house, and it's absolutely breathtaking. The original structure standing proud. You know, curiosity visits me, and it leaves me thinking, how many people, how many bodies had come in and out of here throughout the years it served as the town's mortuary? And how did they die? Are their spirits at unrest? I I just, just too many things. I've investigated it many times and have gotten some good results there in the past. During our first visit, at one point, we ask how many spirits are there with us. And we get an EVP of a woman replying, 10. We weren't there for very long as it was December and quite cold out. So after spending some time out in the ice house, we decided let's go back inside. Now, While we did not spend too long there this time around, there are several other times we investigated the town's original ice house and have gotten several types of evidence there, such as EVPs, spirit box responses, ovulus results, EMF spikes, actions to our requests, such as knocking sounds, and so on. This night in particular, my sister and I had done several sessions with the recorder and spirit box. Some of my favorite EVPs we had received that night are the following. My name, Tessa, was whispered. 
at one point, my recorder captures a man breathing quite wildly and rapidly and super close as if the mouth is right on top of the recorder. During one of the spirit box sessions, a man comes through saying bed. We happen to have several pieces of equipment on the bed. I ask if the man can repeat what he just said. The same voice pops through, saying yes. Then a few seconds later, the same voice comes through yet again, repeats himself as requested, and says bed. At one point, we get an EVP from either a woman or a child saying in a sad voice, Oh no, don't go. Oh no, don't go. You know, it's always neat when you ask a question and you get an intelligent response. For example, we were doing a short EVP session and we asked, how did you die? And we get a response from what sounds like a child saying, fever. Another one that we asked was, can you tell us what's outside the window? A man answered whispering, death. Which is accurate as looking out that window, you can see that ice house. About a year later, one wintery night, my friend Angie, who's been on past episodes, joined me on an investigation where we stayed overnight at the Windsor and investigated the ice house, and we got several EVPs and EMF hits that night. We kept getting knocking responses, and at one point I say how cold it is, and Angie's recorder picks up the voice of a man saying something like, you're being too dramatic. It was very clear and Actually, it was quite comical. She still makes fun of me about it to this day. Don't be so dramatic, Tessa. It's a neat place to go to, and it's a neat piece of history that's nestled in the San Luis Valley. So, you know, if you are ever traveling through that area and see the huge brick building, pull over, take a look, tell them Tessa sent you, you might be able to see the ice house. Throughout our investigations there, we have communicated with men, women, and children. And while I am unsure if we got through to Maud, we have received EVPs of someone saying her name, Maud. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally fantastic. Haven't heard every single one yet? Oh, baby, baby, baby. No need to cry. You can binge listen right now. Just head on over to any of the podcast platforms such as Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Deezer, Apple Podcast, Podchaser. Basically, guys, wherever you may roam to listen to your other amazing podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. This week's special city shout out to go to Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Calvin, Canada, Florence, South Carolina, and Arbutus, Maryland. As always, you guys are rock stars. Thank you so much. And wherever you are from, thank you so much for listening. It is so appreciated. Make sure to check in next Monday for the newest episode. See you next week.